is, you know, we're, we're grateful that we hired your husband, Jay, but <laughs> now I'm starting to see it's more than a two-for-one deal here. You've got amazing gifts. Thank you for sharing them with us. Um, hey, 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, and we are going to, through this Advent expectation of Jesus, we're going to just preach the themes. And so our, our worship theme this morning is hoping. And so we're going to talk about that. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 5. You there? Okay. Look at verse 3 with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. That is a heck of a sentence, isn't it? All right, you see the periods there at the end. Let's, let's pray for our time. Oh God, there is so much meat in this, these three little verses. And there's a whole theology here of hope. And I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear, to open our hearts, we would apply it, we would accept it. Father, and Jesus, you would be glorified for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody do a little light reading before you go to bed? I do, and I was reading John Calvin <laughs> just before I went to bed a couple nights ago, a little light reading, and he will put you to sleep. Come on, that was funny. All right, this is what he said, and it, th this quote stuck with me. The world tries as far as it is able to cast away all knowledge of God. Okay, that's one hand. And by every means to corrupt the worship of him in the church. Think about what he's saying. If the world loses the knowledge of Christ, it loses the knowledge of God and it turns into a hopeless place. If, if the church our worship is corrupted, so it becomes all about our feelings or it becomes about things that are not true, then we go from having a living hope, which we're here to celebrate today, to dead, to duty, to drudgery. In 1850, there was a British naval officer named Alan Gardner, and he was on a voyage, and he was radically converted to Christ, born again, and he was very passionate about missions. He, he began to take mission trips. And, and one of the places that he began to spend time was Tierra del Fuego, which is all the way at the Cape of South America, where it's very cold. And he had a passion for a people there called the Yagan people. And so he recruited a team of six. And they went down to the Picton Island, which is j just off the, the Cape there. And the boat dropped them off as they were going to start a mission station there. But provisions that were to come never came. And it was cold. And over the next 
six months, those men had left all their shot for their guns on the ship. And for the next six months, they began to starve one by one by one by one by one. Alan was the last man alive. And when they came and they found their little encampment, this is the words, these are the words that they found. Poor and weak as we are, our boat is a very Bethel. Bethel's an old word for chapel. Our boat is a very chapel for our souls. For we feel and know that God is here. Asleep or awake, I am beyond the power of expression. Happy. Happy. Think about that. You've given your life to missions, to the mission field. And you've got these, you've been praying. You've got a whole missionary society behind you praying. And you're left to die in Tierra del Fuego. How would you feel? Probably hopeless. Probably stripped of all the the worldly hopes and dreams you might have. And Alan Gardner says, no. We're full of joy. Our whole team. We're dying in joy. We're departing in joy. Why? Because he says God is with us. And they know it. In other words, he has a living hope. He is experiencing a living hope. Christ is alive. He's not dead to him. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter. This is Peter's promise to the church. You have a living hope because you have a living Savior. Living Savior, living hope. In the church, I think there is a very dead form of Christianity. Maybe you've experienced it. Focus on dead things and be very ritualistic, purely ceremonially, ceremonial, fixed only on the externals, how things are done, appearance rather than the heart is valued. And like Calvin said, the world is always trying to remove the knowledge of God and on the other side to corrupt the worship of the church. And the greatest way to corrupt our worship is to make it lifeless to make it hopeless, to make it dead, through removing the knowledge of the work of Jesus Christ, making Christianity a dead hope about a dead man rather than a living hope about a resurrected one. So here's our main idea today, that we have a living hope because of the resurrection. Resurrection. So, okay, Rusty, what does it mean to have a living hope? I want to give you four things. Let's just, we're just going to walk through this text. First is this. God's mercy caused you to be born again. Okay? Verse 3. Look in your Bibles with me. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Okay? Now, look at verse 1 with me. Who's he writing to? Notice just those words. He's writing to elect exiles. So he's writing to people that have lost everything because of their faith. And the first way he encourages them is he says, you are the elect. You are the chosen of God. Okay, that's who he's writing to. And he starts with, blessed be God. Okay, now if you're in exile, okay, one of the ways he might encourage you immediately is saying, you're chosen. Okay, right, I get that. 
And then he erupts with, blessed be God. And if you're in exile, you're saying, for what? We're exiles. We've lost our home. We lost our farms. I've lost my, my favorite sheep. I've lost generations of relationships. Why am I blessed, Peter? Look what he says. According to his great mercy. Okay, so you've shown me God's shown us mercy. We're exiles. What mercy? He's caused us to be born again. There's the mercy. You are the elect church. There's no way around that. You are the elect he has shown mercy to. What mercy? His mercy has caused you to be born again. Your salvation, your regeneration is because of his electing grace. And Paul or Peter's greatest encouragement to the church, to the exile, is that. But there's a purpose in God causing you to be born again. Verse 3, you have a living hope. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you see those words, living hope? There's a deep expectation for the believer. There's a living hope. Living hope is your possession, right? And you say, okay, well, what, what makes it living? Why is my hope different than the Jewish hope, than the Muslim hope, than the atheist hope? Why, why is my hope living? Look at your scriptures. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, his resurrection is what makes your hope alive. We don't have hope in old wise sayings. We don't have hope in great teachers who once lived. You don't have a hope in your righteous life that it'll be enough. Our entire hope rests in the fact that Jesus Christ rose and is alive. It's in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that fuels the church. Joseph Fauci, a Jacobin military commander in the French Revolution, was an atheist. And he wanted to dismantle Christianity from France. And so he ordered all removal of crosses, statues, anything where in the graveyard from France. All gone. Anything having to do with Jesus, gone. And instead, he had put in its place a statement that said this. Death is an eternal sleep. He was trying to remove any hope of a resurrection so that God's people would only hope in the state, in the here and now. And so he tried to take it all away because of the power of hope. God did not cause us to be born again to an eternal sleep or to a dead hope. He has given you a living hope through a living, resurrected Savior. Now, Jesus' resurrection secured every born-again believer's resurrection. Here's what I mean. Several things. First, his resurrection is the merit of yours. You won't be raised to eternal life because you're a good person, because you're a member of an evangelical church. His resurrection is the promise of yours. Yours is the conclusion, right? The work of redeeming us from our guilt 
was completed when he rose from the dead. It shows that it's finished. His resurrection is the merit. His life, death, resurrection is the merit of yours first. Second, it's not just the merit, it's the cause. His resurrection is the cause of yours. You might say he's the train and you're the caboose. That just hit me. I don't know if that's theologically accurate. Maybe it is. We'll see. Romans 8. The same spirit that raised Jesus dwells in you and will give life to your mortal bodies. Your bond to Jesus' resurrection is his spirit. And that's the reason Paul says, or Peter says first, you were called to be born again. Born again means the Holy Spirit is in you. And it's the spirit in you that links and joins you to Christ's resurrection. The same spirit that raised him will raise you. Third, his resurrection is your pattern. Philippians 3. He will transform your lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Jesus' body was raised substantially the same. And so will yours be. It's a resurrection. It's not a new creation. (laughs) Yet, his body was incredibly improved. And so will yours be. Without the effects of the fall, able to enjoy and glory with the Father for all eternity. We have a living hope in this life. But when it is finished, here's the third thing. We have an eternal inheritance. Look at verse 4 with me in your Bibles. Two. Okay, so you have a living hope. Resurrection. Two. To what? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Stop there. Inheritance. The reason that's so important is because he's talking to exiles. Follow Jesus, lose your inheritance. They lost their country, their family, their jobs, persecuted for Christ. And he says, you have an inheritance, a far greater inheritance from your Father in heaven. Okay, what is it? Tell us about it. Three words he uses. First, notice that word. It's an imperishable. It means it will not decay. Everything in this world decays. That's part of the fall in this world. And he's saying, look, it will not die away and it will not decay. Let me say it like this. All those in this world who've experienced the brokenness of this world, the decay of this world, In heaven, you will experience it no more. There'll be no pain, no brokenness, no weeds, praise God. No kudzu, I think. No leaky roofs, no sickness, no death. I'm not sure about kudzu, maybe there's kudzu. No hurricanes. Whatever brokenness is in your life will be gone. It's undefiled. Second, it'll never fade away. The Greek word is like in dry grass. There's a flower called an amaranth. And when everything in Greece would dry up, you'd have this beautiful flower. And Peter uses that word, and he says, your eternal inheritance is like an amaranth. It will not die away, regardless of how dry it is. And then he goes on and says, it's reserved, it's kept for you. You have a reservation, 
I think I've missed one word there. Uh, what word did I miss? Imperishable, undefiled. Okay, we'll just keep going. It's kept, it's reserved. Now the word reserved here is a past action that goes on and on and on. Okay? Before the foundations of the world, God chose to love you as his child. And then he reserved your inheritance. He reserved it. Years ago, I was in um, Mongolia and I got invited to a waltz. Anybody here ever been to a waltz? I don't think so. It's not really something we do. We don't have a southern waltz, do we? Although that'd be pretty cool. And so I showed up and everybody's in black tie but me. And everybody looks beautiful, of course, all the ladies in their Russian long dresses but me. And everybody knows how to waltz but me. And I stepped on feet all night. And there was a table. And there was a spot, and it was reserved for me. And I walked over there, and I looked, and there was a little name tag in Mongolia, and and it said, Comrade Milton. Because if you were white, they thought you were Russian. And so it said, Comrade Milton. I said, for the thousandth time, I'm not Russian. But it was reserved. It was kept for me. Kept for me. You have a banquet invitation. It is reserved in heaven for you. God has set a place with your name on it. There is a feast. And Jesus says, when he just before the cross, I will not drink the fruit of the vine again until I do it with you in eternity. He's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When he comes down, we will feast with him. And at that table, at that place, is your name, believer. There's an inheritance there incorruptible, undefiled, will not fade away. It's reserved for you who are kept. Then he goes on. And here's the last thing. Okay, well, we're exiles. How do we know we're going to make it? Life's hard. We've left everything for Jesus. Maybe we've been pushed out. I'm not exactly sure of the story. I get that God's keeping it there for me, but how do I know I'm going to make it? Here's the fourth. His power is why we have certain salvation. Who God, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Your inheritance is reserved. Inheritors are kept by his power. Neither shall fail. The inheritance is kept by God's power. The inheritors, the believers, are kept by God's power because you have been born again. Neither will fail. That's what he's saying. If he calls you to be born again, then he will not allow you to fade away. And notice how he works. Notice those words. Through faith in the heart of the born again believer is saving faith. Saving faith takes hold of Christ And Christ empowers our faith to finish. His power is what energizes our weak faith to persevere. And notice this. The same power that caused you to be born again now guards you, giving power to your faith. 
You're being kept from first to last by the power of God. I want you to see that. And then he finishes. You're being kept for salvation revealed in the last day. That's the day that Jesus Christ comes back again. And Peter's conclusion in verse 6, rejoice. Rejoice in this. Come back to Alan Gardner, the missionary to Tierra del Fuego. His six missionary friends dying of starvation. If ever there was a time to feel alone, exiled, abandoned, like your faith might fail, it would be then. And he says, poor as we are, we feel and know that God is here. Asleep or awake, I am beyond the power of expression, happy. As we take the Lord's Supper today, I want to encourage you, rejoice in this. Maybe you have got exile feelings in your heart. You're struggling. You're feeling alone. You're feeling abandoned. You're feeling ashamed about certain things, distracted. You ever wonder and you feel, I don't know if my faith is going to finish. Ever wonder how your faith will finish? It's not because you're awesome that you might be. It's the one who calls you to be born again will empower your faith to finish. You have a living hope because you have a living Savior. And this living Savior, yes, dwells on his throne there, but also dwells in our hearts, ensuring that we will finish. Father, we just praise you. We worship you. And we say like Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every believer is your elect. Many of us have been exiled from lots of different things. Father, so blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance for every believer, incorruptible, it's undefiled, it'll never fade away, it's reserved. God, praise you for your power. Praise you for your grace to us. Lord, as we take the Lord's Supper now, make the gospel message come alive in our hearts and our minds. We want to be people that rejoice in Jesus with our living hope.